Welcome to the NBA Deep Dives podcast. I'm your host, Nick Agar-Johnson. It is Tuesday, which means it is Draft Deep Dives Day. And as I teased last week, we have a very special episode today. Tyler and I are going to do a mock draft. So now that the draft order is set following the lottery, we're going to run through the first round. So as I already mentioned, I'm here today with my co-host, Tyler Metcalf. Tyler, how are you doing? Nick, I'm good. Back from vacation, back working, back writing. It's it was, it was a good week off, but just really looking forward to getting more and more draft content out and just really excited for today's episode. It, sh- it should be a fun one. Yeah, we're certainly going to get a lot of draft content out there today. So why don't we just go ahead and get started? Uh, you have the first pick in our mock draft today. And I'm sure that this is going to take more deliberation than any other pick we have. It's an incredibly difficult decision. And, you know, we can we can take about half an hour to discuss it. I'm sure it'll take you that long to figure out who you're going to take here. So I'm on the fence between Alper and Sangoon and Kate Cunningham. What about um, Scotty Lewis? Come on. <laughs> I, no, this is Kate Cunningham. It's easy. It's a no-brainer. Um, from now until the draft, we're going to hear that Detroit's doing their due diligence. They're interviewing other people. They're oh, that camps are saying they're leaning towards Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. It's all lion season. It's all going to be what you know, trying to inflate the package and try and get as much as they can in case someone wants to drastically overpay to trade up. But I would be stunned if this isn't Kate Cunningham. He's the best player in this draft. He can score, pass, defend, incredible feel for the game. He's a bigger Chris Paul. And really, I think the only one of the very few players in this class who has legitimate MVP franchise cornerstone potential. Yeah, I am not at all surprised, obviously, by that choice. I've heard smokescreen season. I think lying season is probably more accurate if we're being entirely honest about it, but... Yeah, I would also be very, very shocked if it is not Cade Cunningham going with the number one overall pick. The number two pick falling to me with the Houston Rockets might be a little less consensus. In fact, I know for a fact that it's a little less consensus. I'm actually going to go with Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga here. And I debated between him and the player that I'm pretty sure is going to go third when you have your next pick, but... With Suggs, he's someone who's shown that he can be an excellent defensive player with clear all-NBA upside, and you know he's a point guard. He's going to have the ball in his hands a lot more. It's going to make it a lot easier for him to have an impact, especially in the modern NBA game. I think I also buy into his jump shot a little bit more than you do and a little bit more than some draft analysts. I think he's going to be able to get to league average on a healthy diet of you know not just spot up threes pretty quickly in his NBA career and he's a remarkable athlete who at 6'4 is going to be playing alongside at least for a little bit another Hall of Fame level 6'4 incredibly athletic point guard in John Wall and I think that will be a great opportunity for Suggs to sort of learn the NBA game you know maybe take a bit of a backseat during his first season and then really go from there but Ultimately, I think after Cade, Jalen Suggs has the best chance at really being a franchise-level player, so I'm taking him for Houston at second overall. I don't hate that by any means. I still think I would have gone Mobley, but I do like that Jalen Suggs provides them with more of a stabilizing presence in the backcourt. I think 
him and Kevin Porter Jr. provide a really kind of unique backcourt option for them going forward. John Wall isn't the long-term option there, obviously. And the Evan Mobley, Christian Wood fit could be a little clunky, but overall, I, I think the impact of Suggs on that roster with his defense, athleticism, playmaking is a, a, a really solid fit. Well, the Evan Mobley fit certainly isn't as clunky for Cleveland at number three overall. So I'm guessing that's who you're taking for the Cavs. It absolutely is. If you would have gone Mobley at two, I think I would have gone Jalen Green here. There have been a lot of reports that Cleveland's apparently shopping Colin Sexton, and I don't blame them. I I think he's a solid player, but I'm not sure he's the long-term solution at that spot. But if Evan Mobley falls to them, that's the, the, the dream scenario incredible defender i think he's really he's a really really smart player and is a really good decision maker i think the jump shot eventually develops and it kind of gives them an out on having to overpay jared allen i like jared allen a ton i'm just not sure that i would be willing to pay him what he will likely be offered this offseason I'm glad you said that you like Jared Allen a ton before that take because this is a no Jared Allen slander zone on this no, podcast. No, the, no, no slander meant. I just he's an incredible rim protector and rim runner. I just am worried that he's going to get massively overpaid. But the, 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 this seems like a an extreme caveat. But I, I do really like him as a player. So now we will move on to number four with the Toronto Raptors and. As we have both said, basically since we've started doing this podcast on this year's draft class, we're pretty confident in the top four, and there is one of those players left. So I am taking Jalen Green for Toronto, and I don't mean that as Jalen Green slander in any way at all. I think he has the shot-making potential to be a 20-point-per-game scorer pretty quickly at the NBA level. I think, honestly, it's more likely on draft night that my two first two picks end up being flipped that Jalen Green goes to Houston and Jalen Suggs goes to Toronto and I think either way it's going to be a great fit for either of those two Jalens I mean Toronto has one of the best developmental systems in the league and even if Kyle Lowry doesn't remain with the Raptors after this season you know he'll still have Fred Van Vliet as the primary guy in that backcourt I have Green a little bit lower than Suggs just because I'm a bit more worried about his playmaking for others than I am with Suggs, but Jalen Green is an exceptional athlete who really showed solid development on the defensive end during his season with the G League Ignite. So I think as the person picking for Toronto here, even though he's the fourth of those four guys for me, I still would be very happy if I'm the Raptors with coming away with Jalen Green in this draft. I really like the fit dynamic athletic score provides or gives them some uh, aspect to that two guard position that they haven't really had a whole lot of in the past. Um, I I think Jalen Green's more athletic than DeMar DeRozan was not quite as polished as a scorer yet, obviously, but with the, even if they get rid of, or if Kyle Lowry moves on, the the pairing of Green and Van Vliet and Siakam and Gary Trent if he resigns I I think it it's a really promising athletic dynamic young core that that sets them up for a lot of success going forward 
So now on to number five, the first top 10 pick for the Orlando Magic. So the Magic have quite a bit of guards with Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, uh, Marco Fultz, but I'm going to add to that arsenal of kind of lead guards and take Josh Giddy. Um, wow. I, I, I think he his combination of size and passing is really unique. I think he's one of the best passers in this class. And a lot of the guards that Orlando has, with mainly with Cole and RJ, aren't great playmakers. And I think they can do a little more off-ball while Giddy does more of the actual offense initiating on offense and just provides them a different look and a little more stability with the lead guard ball handling in that rotation. Well, I thought I was going to be throwing the first curveball of this mock draft with my pick at six. I was not expecting you to pick Giddy for the magic at fifth overall here. So now I'm going to go with a player that I had fifth on my board and was expecting to go to the Magic. I'm going to go with Jonathan Kaminga here. He's an incredibly athletic 6'8", 210-pound forward, got an NBA-ready body already. And the only question with him really is the jump shot, but he's shown you know, not point guard level playmaking at all by any means, but certainly I think that's his most underrated skill at this point in his career. And, you know, with Oklahoma City, they have a history of taking exceptional athletes with questionable jump shots. So I think this is going to be a pretty easy call for OKC if Jonathan Kaminga falls to them at sixth overall. So I'm picking Kaminga here. I I, I totally agree. And I I think Kaminga really needs a team with that established lead experience guard. And that's exactly what he'll get with with, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and they're in full development mode, so by no means will he be rushed, and it'll be just a really good atmosphere for him to develop in. So up next, we have the Golden State Warriors. The chances of them making this selection for themselves on draft night seem to be declining by the day based on the news coming out of Golden State. But before we get into any sort of trade speculation, which we will touch on at the end of the podcast, we're going to draft pretending that no teams are making draft night trades, which is obviously not going to happen. But, you know, for ease of us not trying to make 72 trades during the next hour or so, we're going to assume that everybody holds on to their pick. So with that in mind, who are you picking for the Golden State Warriors at seventh overall? I, I've wavered between a few wing prospects here. I, I think they need to add some more two-way versatility, add some scoring, because last year it was pretty much just Steph. And so I, I thought of Book Knight, I thought of Franz Wagner, I thought of Scotty Barnes as the kind of heir apparent to Draymond Green, but I'm going to settle on Moses Moody. I think his basketball IQ would fit seamlessly into that rotation i think he'll be able to help off the bench right away really smart and versatile defender good passer really good off-ball shooter won't be asked to do really any on-ball creation which he kind of struggles with because of his lack of explosiveness and kind of limited ball handling but that won't be what he's asked to do he'll just be asked to move the ball knock down open shots and his two-way versatility coming off the bench, I, I think, is something that can help them pretty early in his career. 
Yeah, Moody is the kind of player where it seems like he's going to have an NBA role pretty quickly. You know, his ceiling might not be as high as the guys that we've taken ahead of him in this mock draft, but I think that's a really great fit for Golden State if they end up holding on to that pick. I think Moody would be a very solid choice for them at seven. So moving to eighth overall, and this is an interesting one for me, but ultimately here I'm going to go with Zaire Williams. He has, I think that he has the greatest superstar potential sort of outside of the top group of guys in this draft. And, you know, as we've mentioned numerous times, he had a really, really difficult season at Stanford for reasons that were almost entirely out of his control. But, you know, I talked about how playmaking is the most underrated aspect of Kaminga's game at this point in his career. I think that's really true for Zaire as well. You know, he made some really incredible passes during his year at Stanford that I definitely wasn't expecting to see from him before I sort of got into the tape. And, you know, if you're Orlando, you've taken a top five player already, right? For this mock draft, you've taken Giddy already. You know, you have your primary guy. And if Zaire is a bust at eight, you know, that's not the end of the world. But if Zaire hits his upside for this Orlando team, then he could really be the superstar that they've desperately needed basically since Dwight Howard left town. Absolutely love this pick. That's the exact person I've been eyeing at that eight spot for Orlando. And you mentioned his playmaking. I think his defense gets slept on a lot too. And I think that's how he'll actually get a lot of his early minutes. He has incredible perimeter uh, footwork, still a little sporadic with his positioning, but generally he you know works really hard on that end. And you can tell that he wants to be in the right place and, makes the right reads most of the time so that combined with his if he starts knocking down shots i think he has some tremendous star upside that that orlando team really needs all right be very very careful here because you are picking for the sacramento kings at nine who are you going with here so you want another point guard is what you're telling me Um, no that is not what i'm telling you um i'm gonna go scotty barnes I love his defensive versatility and intensity. I think he provides some kind of tertiary playmaking, um, maybe one day primary, but off ball or passing out of the short role. And I think he'd immediately improve their defense. Yes, I am very, very happy with this pick. Well done, Tyler. Uh, I think Scotty is an <laughs> excellent fit for this Kings team. You know, him as a tertiary playmaker alongside De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. But more than that, this team desperately, desperately needs a defensive upgrade. And Scotty Barnes will provide that, you know, even though I think he has, as we've discussed before, you know, a little bit more room to grow on the defensive end. He certainly showed at Florida State that, he's going to come into this Kings rotation and immediately be one of their best defenders. So I am very happy with this pick for the Kings. And it seems like there's a solid chance that Barnes doesn't fall this far, given recent chatter about him. But if he does, I would be very excited to have the Kings pick him up with the ninth pick. So now let's go to the 10th pick for the New Orleans Pelicans. And I'm going to go with Davion Mitchell here. I think that... He, you know, similar to Scotty Barnes, will provide an immediate defensive upgrade for a team in desperate need of a defensive upgrade. And 
Mitchell showed this year at Baylor that alongside Jared Butler, you know, he can be both a primary guy and a secondary guy. If you're the Pelicans, whether or not you re-sign Lonzo Ball, you're going to want to have the ball in Zion's hands a lot. You're going to probably want to have the ball in Brandon Ingram's hands a decent amount. So having a point guard who can provide serious value for you as a defensive menace and off-ball player, you know, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, I think this is a really solid fit for Davion Mitchell, and I think he would work really well in New Orleans. That's interesting. I, I, I like the infusion of two-way potential with him, um, the, the the kind of defensive backcourts that they'll be able to put together, especially if Lonzo signs is really intriguing. And then if his shooting does translate, like I believe both of us believe it will to some extent at least, then even pairing that alongside Bledsoe or Ball, and I expect Nikhil Alexander-Walker to come along nicely, that kind of gives them a, a really – interesting blend of uh of four guard rotation so now we move on to the charlotte hornets at 11th overall tyler who are you looking at here so the 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 charlotte hornets obviously won big with Lamelo ball last year and we've seen how he how good of a playmaker he is and how much he improves the games of those around him at least offensively and the Hornets really need a big man. I don't think Zeller is the long-term answer there. And given that, I'm going to go with Kai Jones. I think he has he, he fills that hole for them right away. Really athletic, versatile big man. Great in transition. Has some promise off the ball, attacking closeouts. If he can become just even a con- somewhat consistent shooter for on trail threes or corner threes that'd be huge for him but uh, a lamello kai jones pick and roll i think is really fascinating to think about and provides them with even more defensive versatility yeah i think this pick really makes a ton of sense for the hornets if kai jones is available for them at 11 i mean even if his jump shot really doesn't develop, the Lamelo Kai Jones alley oops are going to break Twitter multiple times if they come to be. You know that's going to be a ton of fun to watch. And if Jones can, you know, be a consistent threat with his jumper, then that just opens up a whole wide variety of options for the Hornets' offense if they can use him not only as a dive man pick and roll threat, but you know also as a potential pick and pop threat on some plays. We both expressed concern during our Kai Jones deep dive about his shot off the dribble, but if he's playing alongside LaMelo Ball, he's not going to be taking that many shots off the dribble, so that's really not as much of a concern for his sort of long-term fit there. So now we get to the part of the podcast where you probably get very upset with me at number 12 for the San Antonio Spurs. Yep, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. Alperin Shangun, I think, is going to be the San Antonio selection here. I think that, you know, as someone who won the MVP award of an international league at 19 years old, that's pretty solid precedent, especially given what another European is doing in the state of Texas right now for a basketball team in the state of Texas. But more than that, I mean, San Antonio has a history of, turning guys into great jump shooters. Chip Englund is one of the best shooting coaches, if not the best shooting coach in the history of the league based, you know, on the results that he's been able to get out of players. And if you can turn Shangun into someone who can hit jump shots at a respectable rate from long range, and 
I think there's, you know, both with his free throw percentage and the mechanics on the few jumpers that he did actually take over in Turkey, I think there's a reason to believe that he can develop a at least average outside jump shot within the first two or three years, especially if he ends up in San Antonio. So, you know, we had Tim Duncan, we had David Robinson, and now we're going to have Alperin Sengun. I, I can't believe those words just came out of your mouth. How how <laughs> how dare you put him in this anywhere in the same sentence with those two? Oh, so I I guess I I kind I'm kind of with you that I expect that he'll eventually be a decent shooter. I mean, his turnaround mechanics and mid range mechanics look fine, so I I don't see any reason why that wouldn't project. Um, it, it would just be a real shame that he'll never get on the floor because he's a complete sieve on defense and Jakob Pertl will take all of his minutes. So I, I, my concerns aren't with him offensively. I think he has one of the best post games in this draft, probably the best. I think the shot, while we haven't seen it yet, I think eventually it will get there. I just think he is so awful on defense and that has a lot of work to do. Well, you know, the San Antonio Spurs are a team that's never had a reputation for being a defensive squad, right? So Yeah, they, you know. they, they hate that. They hate fundamentals, too. <laughs> All right, so who are you picking for the Indiana Pacers at 13? I'm going to go with James Booknight. Uh, I, I like how his scoring impact and versatility can kind of gel into that roster right away. I think he's really athletic and the fact that they have an established lead guard who's excellent at getting other players involved and making their games better. I think that does him a world of good because he's playmaking is not a strength of his and all he has to focus on is running off those screens, attacking in isolation and getting the best shots possible. I was kind of hoping that book Knight would fall one pick further because I think he is also a great fit for golden state. So now that he's off the board though, I don't have to consider him for this pick. So I'm going with the other player that I was considering here. I think Franz Wagner is someone who would be a really great fit in golden state. He's someone who can play as mostly an off ball player. You know, his jump shot isn't perfect at this point, but he can shoot them as a six, nine wing type. He's, going to fit right in, you know, especially if Clay Thompson presumably falls off a little bit on the defensive end after coming back from his injuries. It will be really huge for them to have another really good defender on the wing, and I fit. I think Wagner fits that mold pretty well. You know, he can also do something with the ball in his hands, so, you know, the Golden State offense has a lot of read and react. Wagner is going to fit into that kind of mold a lot better than certainly most 19-year-olds coming out of the draft. I, I think that fit makes a ton of sense. I was tempted to go Wagner with Golden State at seven and bringing both Wagner and Moody into that rotation, I think adds immediately adds a lot of depth with two young guys who can who have a ton of upside but can also contribute pretty much right away. And it, I, I think it, it just really helps the depth on that team in an area that they were desperately lacking. And also, we brought this up on last week's podcast, but signs are pretty clear that Golden State is looking to trade the seventh overall pick. But if they hold on to the 14th pick, I think that's you know more likely than them holding on to the seventh pick at this point. And you know if you're only going to get one rookie out of your two lottery picks, then I think Wagner makes a lot of sense in that spot. 
Totally agree. And just the, the infusion of basketball IQ and two-way versatility with those two is just something really special for, for a rotation. All right. We are now out of the lottery and on to pick number 15 for the Washington Wizards. So Tyler, who are you picking here? Oh, I, I hate this pick. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea what direction this team is actually going in, and I expect Bradley Beal to be off of that team sooner rather than later. And I don't think Russell Westbrook is their long-term option at point guard. I'm tempted to go Trey Mann, but I don't want to put my beloved Trey Mann in that sort of situation. Their defense was atrocious this last year. It has been for a few years now. I'm going to go with Usman Garuba. Um, he might be the best defender in this class, arguably. Incredible work rate, really good athlete, good rim protection, just all-around elite defender the offensive game i have a ton of worries he had flashes and some stretches towards the end of this towards the end of his season of shooting it decently and i just i i'm still not sold that that's fully going to translate he looks uncomfortable with the ball but his defense should be able to help them immediately and it's just a much needed infusion of energy and athleticism on that end of the floor yeah, I think that's a really interesting fit for this Wizards team, you know, especially since they actually were solid on the defensive end and not to slander anybody, but they were solid on the defensive end once Thomas Bryant went down with injury. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of tells me that their center rotation long term needs someone who's a much better defender. And if this Wizards team trades Bradley Beal during the offseason, then that's going to be a tough look for Garuba's development. On the flip side, though, Russell Westbrook needs guys who can catch alley-oops from him when he can't get quite all the way to the rim, and Garuba certainly, I think, can do at least that much on the offensive end. And if his offensive game develops even more than that, then it's just an even bigger plus and you know, just even more of a home run swing. So up next at number 16, the Oklahoma City Thunder again, and I'm going to go down a very similar logical path to the path I went down when I was picking for the Oklahoma City Thunder earlier in this draft, and I'm going to go with Keon Johnson out of Tennessee. We both have expressed repeated concern about his jump shot, but he also broke the combine record for vertical leap by like two inches he jumped literally four feet 48 inches on his vertical and you know he's got the kind of superstar upside if he can figure out anything else just because he's that ridiculous of an athlete and you know with him playing alongside Shea Gales just Alexander as the primary guy he doesn't have to be a high level ball handler which you know his handle is questionable at best and you know if he starts out his career just as a cutter he was excellent as a cutter at Tennessee and struggled in a lot of other offensive roles during his time there but if he can start out his early career just as a cutter who's throwing down ridiculous dunks I think that'll be a solid fit for him and I think he's the kind of player that the Thunder will certainly look at very heavily if he's falling to the middle of the first round here. Yeah, and it's it's another home run swing. I I'm, I'm just so hesitant with Keon because I struggle to buy the shot as as you mentioned. And but if it does improve and it does hit, he's one of these guys where a lot of outlets are having him as you know that sixth, seventh, eighth pick um, in in their mock drafts. 
So there, there are definitely a lot of people out there who are really high on him. And at this point in the draft, I, I don't hate taking that swing on him because he is freakishly athletic and his leaping ability is absurd and incredible explosiveness. I think he will be a good defender. I'm just worried that his limited ball handling and lack of a shot never really develop. Yeah, it's definitely a concern, but I mean, if any team is going to take a chance on that kind of player, it's a Absolutely. team that has three picks in the top 18. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally agree. So now let's move on to number 17. You're picking here for the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> Tyler, what are your thoughts on this pick? So this is a team that wants to win right away. They've made some incredible strides over the last two seasons ever since drafting John Morant and it's been a lot better than I'd say probably anyone expected them to I still don't love their depth on the wing so I'm gonna go with Trey Murphy the third uh really really athletic and dynamic well not dynamic but athletic and versatile two-way wing uh elite shooter off the catch can attack closeouts incredible cutter i think he'll be able to play off a john Morant. drives really nicely finishes everything above the rim little to no ball handling or playmaking ability but as a defender and as an off-ball wing with his cutting shooting and then essentially ability to guard one through four i think that'd be a really nice addition to that rotation yeah, Murphy is definitely someone who has climbed up draft boards in recent weeks, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I didn't have him in my original top 30 from a few weeks ago, but I would definitely have him as a first-round pick now. And, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense for a Memphis team to get a guy who they can reasonably see contributing on both ends of the floor pretty quickly. So I think I might find a way to make you even more upset than you were with my Shangun pick here oh with my pick at 18 for the Oklahoma City Thunder once again. And, you know, if you're talking about taking a swing on Superstar Upside, I think at this point the best swing at Superstar Upside that we have left is Trey Mann. Yep. So I'm going with Trey Mann here for the Thunder. I think that his shot creation is one of the best in this class. His step back is certainly, I think, the best in this class. And there are definitely, you know, questions about him, particularly on the defensive end and in terms of, you know, how good he is as a primary playmaker. But he's not going to have to be a primary playmaker if he's with the Thunder. You know, the ball is going to be in Shea Gilgis-Alexander's hands most of the time. So I think that if Mann falls here to the Thunder with their third first-round pick, they'd be really happy to scoop him up here at 18. So Trey Mann is currently number six on my board, so I absolutely love the value. I've been trying to think of how to take him uh, kind of down the line here. It just, the teams I've had haven't made a ton of sense to do so. But like you said, he's he's the best space creator in this class. Absurd balance, footwork, ball handling, space creation, and really good shooter on top of that. I think he's a better passer than he gets credit for. Not great at manipulating the defense, but runs a really nice two-man game. And I think he's a better defender than he gets credit for as well. Not elite on that end by any means, but good perimeter footwork. And I think once he continues to really grow into his body, he'll become even more effective. But I'll have a few thousand words on him coming out soon. There you go. So you have a few thousand words coming out on him, but I stole a few hundred of them up front when I took him with my OKC pick. So 
happy with the troll value on that front at least <laughs> so whatever now... works <laughs> there you go so now on to the new york knicks with the 19th pick in this draft tyler what are your thoughts here for a team that made a surprising playoff run maybe didn't end the way they wanted it to this year but certainly a team that has a lot to look forward to that maybe didn't as early as last offseason so i would have gone with trey man here if you hadn't the pick before but i'm going to go with what pretty much every new york nick fan i've seen on twitter has been clamoring for and that's sharif cooper the the fit and the, that that team is someone who is a team who desperately needs a playmaking point guard and a lead ball handler to really initiate their offense and create for others. Cooper might be the best passer in this class. The concerns with the size, I think, are legitimate because he is really small and he is really awful on defense. How that gels with Tom Thibodeau, I'm I'm hesitant on, which you know, and so when we do these mock drafts, I think his skill set makes a lot of sense. In reality, I'm hesitant to believe that the Knicks would actually take Cooper here, but he's a really smart player, incredible at getting to the rim, really crafty, great at drawing fouls. So given his playmaking and ability to put pressure on the rim, I, I think he just fit, he fills a much needed hole in their rotation. Yeah, when we had the Sharif Cooper deep dive, we both discussed our concerns about his potential issues at the NBA level, and those are a lot less of a problem if you're going to a team at 19 that also has another first-round pick, you know, rather than being a lottery-level guy who, you know, it's a much bigger concern if he busts out of the league. Now, the New York Knicks isn't exactly the easiest team to play for in terms of the pressure that's going to fall on your head if you aren't incredible right away, but I think there are a lot of reasons that the Sharif Cooper fit makes sense for the Knicks. So now on to 20 overall with the Atlanta Hawks. And one thing that I think has been pretty clear this playoffs is that the Hawks are well ahead of schedule, you know, as a team that I don't think anybody would have expected to make the Eastern Conference Finals as early as, say, February of this year. But one of the biggest concerns that has shown out for them during this playoffs is they really struggle on the offensive end when Trey Young isn't on the court. So here I'm going to pick someone who I have no doubt will be a successful offensive player in the NBA. I'm going to go with Corey Kispert here. I think that he adds a much needed shooting element for this Hawks team. I think that he's someone who, you know, isn't going to be your lead guy, but can make smart passes and smart reads in terms of his passing. He also, you know, as I mentioned in the deep dive, is I think a little bit of an underrated athlete, and that will certainly be helpful for a Hawks team that tends to be pretty good at getting out in transition. So I think that Corey Kispert will be able to really take a lot of pressure off of Trey Young and a hopefully healthy Bogdan Bogdanovich as offensive creators next season. I, I, I really like the fit. I think it's obviously adding a shooter of that caliber to any rotation really helps open up the lane or punish defenses when they collapse too aggressively. Uh, I, I think he's a really good ball mover too, and an underrated defender, not elite by any means, but he's huge and is almost always in the right position. So just that aspect, I, th I think is a really nice addition to that roster. 
So you've got the New York Knicks again here, this pick coming from the Dallas Mavericks. Who are you thinking for the Knicks at 21st overall? Okay, so I, I was going to go Kispert there if you hadn't. The Got a point guard. Um, I'm going to go with Isaiah Jackson. Uh, Nerlens Noel was really solid for them this last year. Mitchell Robinson has been good for them. He fouls a ton, though. I He's coming up on a contract soon. And Isaiah Jackson kind of fills that need of freak athlete shot-blocking big man. And I think... It would provide insurance to let one one of those guys walk without losing too much in that rim protection uh, capacity. And he has shown a little bit of ability to face up and beat guys off of a two-dribble drive from the mid-range. His shot mechanics aren't awful. I don't think there needs to be a huge revamp there. So maybe eventually he can step back to 20 feet or so. And I, I think it just provides a lot of insurance and ability for them to fill that hole without having to overpay on someone who is either in foul trouble or hurt. Yeah, I think this pick makes a ton of sense for the Knicks. And, you know, another reason that I think it makes a ton of sense is Tom Thibodeau has a history of not playing rookies if they can't contribute on the defensive end. And if there's one thing I'm certain of about Isaiah Jackson's game, it's that he's going to be a very good defensive player very quickly. You know, there are certainly offensive concerns, as you brought up, but I mean— if he's not doing much more on the offensive end other than dunking on putbacks and alley-oops, you know, he's going to get minutes just as a defense-first guy, and that's what Tom Thibodeau tends to really value. Yeah, absolutely. So now on to number 22 with the Los Angeles Lakers, and I'm going to go with Chris Duarte here. This is a team Mm. that really needs shooting. This is a team that really needs someone who can contribute right away and Chris Duarte is that kind of player and you know it's funny because Cam Johnson is having an incredible playoffs for the Phoenix Suns and there were a lot of people who questioned that pick admittedly myself included you know taking a 23 year old at 11th overall Duarte is going to be 24 to start the next NBA season but you know the benefit of Cam Johnson is that he was NBA ready pretty much right away as a shooter and you know, he's not as good a defender, I don't think, as Duarte is coming out of the draft, but Duarte may not have that high of a ceiling, but the Lakers aren't looking for additional superstars at this point. They're looking for guys who can contribute and knock down shots, and Duarte, I think, is going to be that pretty much right away at the NBA level. So it certainly seems that Duarte has received a first-round promise as well as he's kind of pulled out of the combine and other workouts. The Lakers make a ton of sense. Good defender, good shooter decent athlete and at that age and point in his career where he can help contribute right away. I I like the fit on the Lakers. It's a really smart win now role player that, that adds a level of depth to that bench that they are very much lacking. So now we have two consecutive Houston Rockets picks. So you get the first one at 23rd overall. Tyler, who are you thinking here for the Rockets? So I'm going to take a massive home run swing here and go with JT Thor. Okay. Yeah. Um, really, 
I, I, I think he has the potential to be a pretty special player. Uh, apparently, all of the sites and everything have been giving him the wrong birth date, and he's actually 18, not 19. I think that's important. That's a pretty big year of development. Great length. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball per- percentage-wise great at Auburn this year, but I like his mechanics. I believe the free throw percentage was pretty solid as well. I think that eventually gets there and becomes a weapon for him to use really good shot blocker. I like his defensive instincts and rebounding. I I'm concerned about his playmaking and ability to kind of create off the dribble a ton. I think offensively his feel for the game on positioning on relocation, when, when and where to cut that kind of stuff isn't great right now, but Again, at 18, he has the physical profile and the base set of skills where if he does hit, if he does take this huge jump in his developmental curve, he he could be just a massive, massive steal. I agree that he could be a massive, massive steal if everything works out. I also think it makes a lot more sense for a team like Houston that has the number two overall pick and two other picks in the first round to take that kind of swing here. I am also going to take a home run swing here for the Houston Rockets at 24 overall. And I'm going to go with Jalen Johnson, who I highly doubt that he falls this far on no draft night. Yeah. But, you know, we both are iffy on his potential game. You know, he's someone who has no jump shot at all. And as you mentioned, he wasn't able to blow by Kofi Coburn, which is more than a bit of a concern on the athleticism front, but ultimately if Jalen Johnson can put everything together, you know, he's a six, eight forward who can do serious damage with the ball in his hands. And if you're Houston, you need to take as many swings as you can get, especially if you've got someone who I think we both agree has a pretty high floor in Jalen Suggs at number two, overall, you can afford to take these two home run swings with JT Thor and Jalen Johnson. And I, I fully expect Jalen Johnson's name to get called in the lottery. Uh, just happens that both of us are much lower on him than consensus. But I, I went with JT Thor because I kind of hope that you would say Jalen Johnson. I, I consider Johnson there as well. But a lo- lot of potential, a lot to work with. I'm just hesitant on whether or not it actually comes to fruition or not. Well, I'm glad I could make you happy with that one after the Shangun and Trey Man picks. <laughs> So now on to a team that still remains in the playoffs in the LA Clippers. So you're picking for the Clippers at 25th overall. What are your thoughts here? So I I think Jalen Johnson would have been a really interesting fit here. Um, Instead, I'm going to go and add depth to their backcourt and go with Miles McBride, who I think is one of the best uh, perimeter and guard defenders in this class. I really like his shooting potential. I think he showed a lot of scoring ability that, you know, we, we didn't really expect from him coming into the year and his ability to pull up in the mid range was really encouraging his outside pull up left a little more to be desired, but he shot well off the catch from three. I, I think his tenacity, his work rate, his ability to, to take care of the ball He's not a huge high-level playmaker, but he rarely turns the ball over. Just very good decision-maker on both ends of the floor, really good defender, and just provides some more 
versatility and stability to that backcourt. Yeah, I agree that he definitely makes a lot of sense for the Clippers. I was hoping he might fall a few more picks because the teams that I'm selecting for that remain definitely could be interested in Miles McBride, but instead he obviously will not be available for me with this 26th overall pick for the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to go with Jaden Springer here. Now, as we talked about during the deep dive, I am not as high on him as you are. I am worried about his ability to finish around the rim at the NBA level, and I'm worried that his 43% three-point shooting was a mirage, mostly due to the fact that he only took 46 of them all season. But a lot of those concerns go away if he's going to be playing alongside Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets need other guys who can be offensive engines for them, especially given that Jamal Murray is still going to be recovering from his injury. So I think Jaden Springer is someone who, you know, if everything works out for him, he could be a really, really great player for the Denver Nuggets. And, you know, even if it doesn't work out, I think he could be a really valuable pick for them here at 26. You know, my concerns about him being able to score around the rim at the NBA level are certainly lessened when he's going to get a lot of open space created for him by playing alongside Nikola Jokic. Everything you said makes sense. I, it's a nice developmental system and position that he'll go into. Uh, I, I think Josh Christopher would be another intriguing kind of fit there to help add you know long-term depth to that backcourt. But I think whoever kind of goes there, if you know, say a Corey Kispert or uh, Duarte are still around. I think both of those are more win now that make a lot of sense. But from a developmental standpoint, if Springer really does turn into what some people think he will, it, that getting him in the 20s would be incredible value. All right. So now we move to the Brooklyn Nets at 27th overall. Tyler, who are you thinking about for the Nets here? Um, I am going to, sorry, great podcasting. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Kessler Edwards, the wing from Pepperdine. He's provides some perimeter defense that they've lacked, but also a sense of shooting. Uh, he's just a really good shooter, really smart, well-rounded defender. I don't think he's a great athlete or ball handler and, I don't think he does much in playmaking, but they don't really need that because they have three of the best on-ball players in the history of the league. With his off-ball shooting, his rebounding, his overall team defense, I, I think he slides pretty seamlessly into that sixth, seventh, eighth man in the rotation. Yeah, I think Kessler Edwards really makes a lot of sense for Booken here. You know, as you mentioned, he is not going to need to create much given that he's playing alongside the big three in Brooklyn. And what they need around those guys is, you know, wing size players who can defend and shoot three pointers. And Kessler Edwards definitely fits that mold. So now we move on to the 28th pick for the Philadelphia 76ers. And. I'm dragging this out because I am incredibly uncomfortable with the player <laughs> that I'm going to pick here for them, but I think Cam Thomas makes a ton of sense for this Sixers team. They need guys who can create their own shot and hit pull-up threes and you know get, a, get into the lane a little bit, and 
when you're a team that has Joel Embiid anchoring your defense, the absolute atrocity that is Cam Thomas attempting to play defense is not as much of a concern. I just think that they need shot creation in the worst way. And as much as it pains me to pick Cam Thomas here, I think he really makes a lot of sense for this team. I love it. I'm just, just he, he has an elite NBA skill, which is scoring. I don't think it'll transfer quite to the same level as it did in high school and college, obviously, but the, the kid is not shy about taking a shot and he scores a ton, draws a lot of fouls, rarely turns the ball over, but that's mostly because he never passes. Uh, absolutely horrible on defense, but like you said, they need, they desperately need someone who can shoot, who can score, and that's exactly what he brings to the table. All right, and we are down to our final two picks of this mock draft. So here you are selecting for the surprise team of the NBA season, the Phoenix Suns at 29. So what are your thoughts here? So Chris Paul's getting up there in age, still playing incredible basketball, but not going to do it forever. Um, campaign is probably going to get paid, whether it's at least to some extent. And I'm not sure that Phoenix will want to pay what he's getting offered. And I think this team will need a backup point guard. So I'm going to go with Jared Butler. I think he's, he might be the best ball handler in this class, really smart defender, good off ball shooter, relocates well, makes those around him better, can play on or off ball not a big guard, but just really smart, really effective in everything he does. I, I, a big reason he fell, I think for us tonight, um, is the concerns over his heart. There've been rumors throughout the entire season that something like this was going to come up and he got flagged at the combine. And the assumption is because of an issue with his heart, really hope that it's nothing and that he's okay. I'm obviously not a doctor. So I, don't know what's going on with that. So if it is a legitimate issue, he will probably fall even farther if he even gets picked at that point. Um, but we don't know. So given that he's an incredible player and I think he makes a ton of sense on this team. Yeah, definitely best wishes to him on the health front and assuming that he does in fact get cleared to play in the NBA. I think this is an incredibly smart selection for the Suns and someone that can contribute for them, you know, no matter how their point guard rotation ends up going next season and beyond. I think he's someone who can contribute to a playoff ready team as he contributed to a national championship team with Baylor. All right, here we are at the 30th overall pick and here for the Utah Jazz, I'm going to go with Jeremiah Robinson Earl to close out the first round. I think he's someone who makes a ton of sense as a connector. You know, Utah has a ton of guys who can be solid ball handlers, but, you know, with them, they're such a three-point heavy team at this point that I think it makes a lot of sense to have a big man like Robinson Earl who is a really smart basketball player, you know, is almost always in the right place on the defensive end and definitely is not someone who's going to be missing kickouts on a regular basis. I think he would make a ton of sense as a rotation piece for the Utah Jazz. Really smart player, versatile defender. I, I like it. Um, I, I, I think I, I would have preferred maybe a little more athletic perimeter defender as we saw 
Royce O'Neal was really the only guy they had in that their last series there, and it did not go well for them. But when we look at those kind of guys, a lot of them were off the board already. So the Robinson Earl's just basketball IQ, two-way versatility, I, I do think makes a lot of sense. You're right. I should have gone with Scotty Lewis. I mean, all of these teams should have gone with Scotty Lewis. Fair enough. Fair enough. So before we wrap things up here, now that we've gone through the first round mock draft, I did just want to go back and discuss some potential trades that we think are likely to happen around draft night on draft night. You know, the Oklahoma City Thunder picked up the 16th pick from Boston in the Kemba Walker trade. So, you know, that was sort of the first domino, I guess, on the draft night trade front. Recent news certainly seems to indicate, as I teased earlier on in the podcast, that Golden State is very strongly looking to move that seventh pick. The thing that's surprising to me about that is that a lot of the rumors are saying that they're looking to move the seventh pick and James Wiseman for a potential win now upgrade and that's not a good sign that they're heavily shopping the guy that they picked number two overall in last year's draft already and you know yes there is this very strong win now vibe for the Warriors but man it's not a good look to be shopping Wiseman already and I hope for Wiseman's sake honestly more than anything else that at least the seventh pick and Weissman trade if it does end up going down is for a serious NBA name because that could be a confidence killer you know on the flip side there's a lot of reason to think that it wasn't going to work out for Weissman and the Warriors after this past season and you know one year is very quick for a new start for a guy but depending on the trade that could make a lot of sense there are rumors about seventh and Weissman for Pascal Siakam which I don't really think makes sense for either side of that trade but do you have any thoughts on you know potential Warriors trades or maybe even as we discussed on the instant reactions podcast the idea that Orlando might be looking to trade one of their two top eight picks I don't really love that Siakam fit I I it just seems a little redundant with Draymond Green just having two forwards like that neither of which are great shooters and the the news came out today that Kevon Looney uh, is actually exercising his option so he's coming back and that team was just significantly better with him on the floor than with Wiseman and you know it's just not a good look for especially when you know thinking about drafting and how to build a team and taking that you know a freak athlete center who doesn't have any verified elite skills besides athleticism early in the draft so it's tough because you can see the foundation of Wiseman as a player and what he could be I I don't think that's the right place for him and going into last year's draft I thought I I thought Golden State would be excellent fit for him because they needed that athletic rim running center. But I think he wants to do a little more in that position that he's not ready for. And I think Golden State wants him to do different things than what he necessarily wants to do. And he's not ready for those either. So I just think it's been an absolute mess. But if I was another team and I had a disgruntled all-star or fringe all-star and 
the Warriors were thinking of sending me a top 10 pick along with a former number two pick, then, you know, count me in and I'll, I'll, I'll take a swing on both of those. But like, as we just went through that exercise, there are a lot of, if the Warriors keep these picks, there are a lot of players in this draft who will be able to help them and add depth to their rotation right away. Um, I kind of, just from a roster building standpoint, I kind of hope that they do keep those picks because I think it would be really interesting to see them add two versatile wings to Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. I think it would do a lot for their rotation, but it certainly seems like they're pretty scarred and turned off of the idea of bringing in these, bringing in two more young guys to, you know, quote unquote develop. So before we wrap things up, there is just one other thing that I want to address the recent hires of Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups. And for the Dallas Mavericks to hire Jason Kidd is more concerning than I think it would be for almost any other team in the NBA, given the recent story of sexual harassment that was embedded pretty deep in the Dallas Mavericks culture. And there are plenty of basketball reasons for not wanting to hire Jason Kidd as your coach, given his flameouts in Milwaukee and Brooklyn. For the Dallas Mavericks to be the organization that hires him is particularly troubling. And then Today, the press conference about the hiring of Chauncey Billups, Neil O'Shea very, very quickly and disturbingly brushed aside any questions about the 1997 case of sexual assault against Chauncey Billups and Ron Mercer that was settled out of court. And, you know, it's unfortunate that this is still a discussion that has to happen, but you know, ultimately, these two men have faced basically zero consequences for their actions, and they have been hired by NBA teams to be their head coach. And Billups got a five-year contract after one year as an assistant coach, and the press conference introducing him very quickly brushed aside the allegations against him. So it's sort of a depressing way to end the podcast. It's a very depressing way to end the podcast, but I wouldn't feel right not at least saying something about those two very distressing NBA head coaching hires. I think the biggest issue is with just the the lack of awareness by the Mavericks and that, like you mentioned, they had a decades-long sexual assault scandal where it was just issues constantly arose and they brushed it under the rug over and over and over again and it wasn't and that that reporting came out was it a, a year ago and we're not far removed from it no one's forgotten about it and then to immediately hire um you know a domestic abuser who pleaded guilty to it i i, I fully believe in giving people second chances and that people can change and all of that, but it just, it felt really tone deaf and just, it lacked a complete, it just lacked any self-awareness of current climate and what the organization's reputation has devolved into. And on that note, at least we should try and wrap this up. So do you have anything you want to plug here, Trayman scouting report before we sort of wrap things up on this one? Yes, more fun things coming that aren't that. Uh, Trayman scouting report coming soon. I've watched 
far too many of his step backs and when I should be writing. So that will be coming out this week. Hopefully Moses Moody went up last week. Uh, I also finished clipping Zaire Williams. So that will hopefully come out this week as well. And a, an updated top 75 at some point after the uh, early withdrawal uh, deadline, which I believe is July 7th. So look for that new top 75 somewhere around there so we finally have a finalized pool of draft of draft prospects all right well he is tyler metcalf you can find his work on hashtag basketball especially with that upcoming trey man deep dive as well as at canis hoopus and you can find him on twitter at t-m-e-t-c-a-l-f-1-1 you can find me on twitter at n-b-a-j-o-h-n-s-o-n if you've been enjoying the podcast please take the time to leave a rating and or a review on whatever podcast player you might be using and if you have any feedback about the podcast feel free to reach out to me either via twitter or email nickaj.nba at gmail.com and as always thanks so much for listening